BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Let's go places. Uh, I'm doing the intro right now. I'm Robert Evans. This is the podcast. It could happen here. Book club edition. And that's my job. I'm done. Yep. You know, that's that's closer to true than it usually is. That, that That's my job or that I'm done? Both. Oh, good. Okay. Well. Because... Cool Zone Book Club is where, at least this month, is where Margaret reads you stories. Oh, yes. And in particular, I read you from The Lamb Will Slaughter the Lion, my the first book in the Daniel Kane currently duology of novellas. A novella is a short novel. They're fun mm-hmm. to write. I recommend them. They're See, fun to read. In the Spanish, that a novella was a lady novel. <laughs> I don't, I, I hope that's. A, a correct joke about Spanish. I'm, I may be wrong. My Spanish is terrible. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's like for a little while I knew enough Spanish to actually kind of answer these things about like, because I used to pay attention to um, old Spanish fiction projects, but I don't know enough to play off of that joke successfully. No, no, no. So, yeah, probably not a joke. No. That, uh, was was reasonable or a good idea to make because I don't no. know enough Spanish. And but here we are, and it's a shame that there's are. no... It's been done. ...live editing, or mm-hmm. we're just only forward, the only direction. Yeah. The only way out is through, Robert That's Evans. right, that's right. What hand dare seize the fire? I feel like I could seize the fire. I feel like it yeah. wouldn't be hard. Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah, that? There's been... that study that, like, um, it's like, like 25% of American men think they yeah. could fight a grizzly bear or whatever it is. 
yeah, I mean, I I feel like I I feel like I have a shot. The other uh, years ago, I read a story. There's a, a guy who got attacked by I think it was a grizzly up in Canada. Like uh-huh. his dog got attacked, and he just like through a just a sheer crapshoot of fate, swung at it with like a stick he found on the ground and killed it. And yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. I feel like there there is some not some percentage of people who will get lucky. So all all we yeah. need to do is have enough of us try to fight a grizzly bear. A couple of people will make it work, right? I have found I often run uh, combat simulations, and there's always a five percent chance of success, no matter what, because yeah. if you roll a natural twenty, it's That's a right. critical hit. That is. Um, <laughs> That every time you you do occasionally come across stories like that where it's like oh yeah some dude just rolled a twenty yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah good stuff well shall we uh, get back into it yeah we are on chapter seven out of eight so this is the last episode of the Lamb will slaughter the lion wow and if you like this book you can go out and buy it it's a book you can yeah. buy it in print they can't e-book. stop you the man no. will try to stop you yeah that's right but he ha- he hasn't the power yeah. The man might try and stop you from stealing the book, but I'm not going to stop you from stealing the book. Yeah, either way. Yeah. So, where we last left our heroes, they are in a treehouse, and they're like, ah, shit, we figured out the obscure clue, but it didn't really do us any good. And truly, the the complicated thing, Ulixie's down below the treehouse waiting for him. What are they going to do? Well, for an hour at least, Bryn cried in the hammock about the death of her friend as I tried to comfort her. The sun set behind the hill after an interminable day, and Ulixie ran off into the gloaming, his guardian bull keeping pace alongside. The birds remained, watching us with their dead eyes, but they made no move to follow us as we went down the ladder and headed for town. We were hungry and thirsty, and there weren't really words left for us to say. By the time we made it as far as the lookout rock, it was full dark and every light in town was on, The streets below us were swarming with a commotion of lanterns, headlamps, and torches. Bryn broke into a run, and I went after her down the hill, taking the steps two at a time. The first house we reached was a run-down split level. A pickup truck was idling out front, and a family was loading bags and boxes onto its bed. What's going on, Bryn asked. A white woman in her mid-thirties set down a laundry bag full of clothes and put her hands to her head to rub her temples. Bryn, where have you been? Out in the woods, what's going on? We're leaving, she said. Everyone's leaving. The cops are on their way. What? That punk kid, Eric, the tall one, he said he went into town to cool off. Says he saw more cops in the parking lot at Walmart than he could count. The manager at the food bank, that old guy with the ponytail, the one that likes us, he told Eric the cops were gonna raid. He's lying, I said. What? The woman looked at me for the first time. He's fucking lying, I said. I looked at Bryn. He's just trying to get everyone panicked so that we leave Doomsday alone. I don't know, Bryn said. The next house down was overgrown and covered in graffiti. Vulture and a stranger were walking out of it, each with a sack of concrete over their shoulder. Bryn and I saw them and started running. Bryn, Danielle, Vulture loped over like he wasn't holding 50 pounds. You're all right. What the fuck, Bryn asked. The cops, Vulture started, we heard, Bryn said. Who's watching Doomsday, I asked. Thursday is, Vulture said. The rest of us are getting ready. Where's Rebecca? She's dead, I said. Doomsday might end up that way too, and soon. She was the only one left who could dismiss Ulixie, and Eric knew it. Bryn stayed behind to help Vulture, but I ran down the hill. 
Barricades of lumber, brick, and trash blocked the street at every bend, with only small gaps still left open that let through the vehicles of those who sought escape. Lengths of rebar thrust forth from anchors long ago embedded in the concrete. Freedom, Iowa, had been preparing for this night since its first day. There was a fire in the air, a certain spark that's only found in the otherworldly calm of conflict. But it was all wrong. It was all a distraction. The cops weren't coming. I was sure of it. I ran downhill, my feet slapping on the pavement. I ran past anxious people, excited people, terrified people. I wasn't any of those things. I was furious. The largest mass of lights and people was by the bridge, the most logical choke point. Probably, people there were getting ready to delay the police long enough for Doomsday's ritual and for everyone else to escape through the woods. That's how I would have planned it. I reached the block with Doomsday's house, but the place was unlit. It looked abandoned. No, not abandoned. A hooded figure crouched over in the side yard. The wardstone, whoever it was, they were pulling up the wardstone. My fast-beating heart, my ragged breath, and the rhythm of my feet were all I could hear. My legs burned and ached. I could feel my pulse in my wounded hand. My lungs had long since given up complaint. Anger alone fueled my body. Hey! I shouted, which was all I could get out between my failing breaths. Hey! The figure stood up, just as I started up the embankment. They turned toward me, a crowbar in one hand. You shouldn't fuck with someone who has a crowbar. I launched myself toward them, a desperate tackle. The crowbar struck my left shoulder. I was lucky, I suppose, since as likely as not they'd aimed for my head. The claw of it split my skin and sent blood into the air. My antagonist went down, me on top. I spun around behind them, got their neck in the crook of my right arm, and applied pressure. A sleeper hold, choking off the blood to their brain. Useful self-defense for someone as small as me. They fell unconscious. It wasn't Eric. It was Kestrel. The white wardstone lay cracked, open to a black geode. The house was no longer protected. Shit. I stood up. He wouldn't be out for long. Just ten seconds or so. I needed something to tie him up with. The world exploded. Sort of. It felt like it at the time. It was a gunshot, really, but it was louder than noises have any right to be, and the bullet crashed into the wall of the house not two feet from my head. Get down, I heard. I didn't register the command, though, so I didn't follow it. Another shot, this time from behind me. Gunshots are kind of like a non-verbal way of communicating get down. And after that second shot, I listened. I dropped down next to Kestrel. If he was conscious, he wasn't showing it. I might have killed him. I never killed anyone before. It turned out that I didn't very much like the thought of having killed somebody. It bothered me more than I expected. Then a rapid back and forth of bullets, and I saw the squat figure of Thursday on the porch, calmly firing in a two-handed grip. A figure ran off toward the tree line. A tall figure. An Eric tall-as-fuck figure, more accurately, his punk rock spikes gleaming in the muzzle flash as he fired wildly behind himself. I staggered to my feet to go after him. Then my brain turned itself back on, and I dropped to the ground again, because there might be bullets up there, and because I'd just taken the pointy end of a crowbar to my central mass, so what the fuck did my body know about still working? Elixie is the revolution. It was Kestrel talking, his mouth right next to my head. 
Ulixi is the lamb that will slaughter the lion. Doomsday is going to end it. Doomsday is going to end the revolution. Eh, at least I hadn't killed him. I was going to add it to my bucket list, right next to visit Antarctica and torch something evil, was going to be, make it through the whole of my life without killing anyone. You're a fucking wannabe, he whispered conspiratorially, like he was imparting the wisdom of the ages. You act like you're a revolutionary, but you're a fucking poser. On the other hand, maybe it would have been okay if I'd killed him. It wasn't like I was probably going to make it to Antarctica either. I staggered to my feet, then almost fell back over when the report of a pistol exploded in my ear. Thursday was next to me, his arm around my back, supporting me. Get inside, Thursday said. Jesus, Danielle, get the fuck in the house. Kestrel was gone. I saw him running after Eric. What kind of asshole calls someone a poser? BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, Doug Gottlieb here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making the now perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines the raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. With new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. No one's answering, Doomsday said. All of her composure had been stripped away by days of stress and fear. Her hair was a wild tangle, and she clutched at her phone in a shaking fist. She hadn't taken it well when I told her what Kestrel had done to the Wardstone. She'd taken it even worse when I told her what had happened to Rebecca. I sat on the edge of the bathtub in my sports bra while Thursday cleaned the wound on my shoulder. They're mixing and pouring cement, Thursday said. 
Would you answer your phone while you're mixing and pouring cement? Yes, Doomsday snapped. I'd answer my goddamn phone. This is pretty bad, Danny, Thursday said, trying to mop at the blood that dribbled down my chest. Danielle, I said, for fuck's sake, my name is Danielle. Like, I can clean it out, and if you want, I've got a sewing needle. I've never been given no one's stitches, never even read a book about it. The basic idea seems kind of simple, right? Clay could stitch a wound. I mean, you're not, like, bleeding out or something, I think. I'm at least as worried about the blunt trauma as the cut. Your confidence is really inspiring, I said. Hey, I never signed up to be a doctor. I'm just doing what needs doing, okay? Sorry, I said. It didn't mean anything by it. Your hand all right? I still had the bandana tied tight around my right hand. The pain was a dull throb, but nothing compared to how bad my left shoulder hurt. It's fine. Come on, come on, Doomsday said, praying to the room with her phone to her ear. You ever read The Man Who Was Thursday? Thursday asked. What? I'm trying this bedside manner thing. You're looking pretty pale, even for you. I'm trying to keep you thinking about something else. No, I, I, I've never read it. It's where I got my name, Thursday said. It was written about anarchists like a uh, hundred years ago. There are these seven anarchist leaders, each named after a day of the week. And Thursday, well, the, the first Thursday, he's the only one of them who, it turns out, wasn't a cop the whole time. You know how the first Thursday gets it in the end? Well, actually, the beginning. How, I asked. He's so committed to his ideals of anti-oppression that he refuses to drink milk. But since he's, you know, British, he has to, like, drink something, I guess, in his tea or whatever. So he drinks powdered chalk all the time. And one day it kills him. Huh, I said. No, seriously, it's hilarious. That shit was making fun of vegans before vegan was a word. Okay, I said. Anyway, Doomsday named me after the book. She told me I was the only person in the world she knew wasn't a cop. Undercovers, right? They're lying anyway, so they'll swear up and down their God's gift to revolutionary politics. Me, I was set on this no politics thing for a long ass time. Now I'm a damn third generation Central American leftist, and I didn't even want to be a leftist at all. I guess my dad would be proud. All right. Hey, look at that, the bleeding stopped, he said. I smiled. No, no, it started again. Shit, don't smile. The bathtub was slowly filling with bloody toilet paper. God, God, God fucking... Doomsday put her phone down carefully on the porcelain sink, barely containing her rage. Clay's dead, Anchor's dead, Rebecca's dead. You're not dead, and you're not going to be dead, Thursday said. The wards are down. I don't even know how to dismiss you, Lixie. And now? Now the fucking cops are coming. The cops aren't coming, I said. Eric, he just said that to stir up the town. You've been here two years. The cops aren't coming tonight. If they were evicting us... You'd have heard about it before tonight. Probably been warned to clear out. Not unless the cops were serving a warrant for something serious. Thursday and Doomsday looked at each other. Someone's got a warrant, I said. Kestrel knew, Doomsday said. Yeah, Kestrel would have known, Thursday agreed. Knew what? The cops are coming for Doomsday, Thursday said. What? I used to live in Alaska, Doomsday said. I was married for 15 years. It was good for a while. But I couldn't get pregnant. My husband got worse and worse. I shot him. He deserved it. It wasn't self-defense, not in the immediate sense, not in the way that I could have proved in court. Jesus, I said. Doomsday took a deep breath. Neighbors heard the shots, I guess. Sheriffs showed up. I tried to talk to them. 
tried to make them understand. They didn't understand. Damn, I said. You shot them too. I wasn't going to prison, Doomsday said. Not for that motherfucker. Okay. So maybe cops are coming, I said. Kestrel must have snitched me out. I never would have thought. Fucking hell, Thursday said. It's almost like you can't summon otherworldly beings into existence, let them loose on your enemies, and set up a culture of worship around them without people getting all crazy. You were in favor of summoning him, Doomsday said. I know, Thursday said. Hell, I'm still glad we did it. It was worth a shot. I've got until dawn to figure out how to unsummon him, Doomsday said. What hand dare seize the fire, I said. Pardon? I told them what I'd learned from Clay's notebook, which wasn't much. Doomsday put her hands to her temples. I think you read the signs right. Clay's misquoted poetry, Rebecca's figurines, solstice to solstice. But how? How do we dismiss him? And with the police there, as likely as not. Oh, Jesus, I said. The cops. If Ulixie's around cops. He'll slaughter them, Doomsday said. And everyone who's ever lived here will wind up running or in prison. I don't want to be on the run, I said. No one does, Doomsday said. Then what's the plan, I asked. We somehow get everyone out before the cops show up, somehow unsummon Ulixie before the river runs red, and somehow evade the remaining police. Somehow, Thursday asked, all the while avoiding Eric and Kestrel. I would go with stop more than avoid, Thursday said. But yeah. What was the line, Doomsday asked suddenly. What hand dare seize the fire? I nodded. Doomsday got a glint in her eye I'd never seen before. It was frightening. Maybe Ulixie took down Anchor for the same reason I took down those sheriffs. Self-defense. Maybe we summoners can control him. Maybe I could turn him on Eric. Hell, after that, when we summoned him in the first place, we named these hills this river as his territory. If I renew the summoning, I could name a whole lot more than that. I could name the world. The only way out is through, Thursday asked. What hand dare seize the fire, Doomsday agreed. No, I said. I didn't want to fight with them. I just wanted to go home. If only I had a home. What? I've been through way too much shit for you to switch sides on me now, I said. And I know what the other side looks like. Eric, Kestrel, all of them. They say they want to make the world better but they're just supplanting one authority for another and they'll fucking murder anyone who tries to stop them because that's what power does to people. I believe in a messy, imperfect world where we just collectively or individually figure things out. So no, I'm not going to let you switch sides. And what do we do? I don't fucking know, I said. We figure something out. Bryn and Vulture came in, slamming the door behind them and startling all of us. Bryn took the gun from Thursday, knelt with one knee on the dining room chair, and started reloading the mag. How many bullets do you think Eric shot, I asked. Four in Rebecca, and it had to be at least three more outside the house. How many can its mag hold? Can't like think like that, Bryn said. Bullet counting is some next-level shit. You see some with a gun? It's loaded. Same as you treat your own gun like it's loaded, even when it's not. Still, I said. Still nothing, Danielle. You see a gun, it's got a bullet ready to shoot. Vulture, for his part, took over treating my shoulder. You want stitches, he asked. What are my options? I can stitch you up, and I'll probably do a decent job, but not a great job. I could not stitch you up. Maybe hit it with butterfly bandages and splint your shoulder to keep you from moving and reopening the wound. Or you do what you should do, which is get someone to take you out of here, get you to an emergency room. 
What would you do? I asked. He bit his lip. If I were you, just come to town chasing after your old friend's ghost, I'd use the excuse to cut out. You're not in any shape to stand behind a barricade. You're not in any shape to go to jail. There's no shame in leaving now. He was right, of course. It was a liability. Still, just leaving after all of that? But what I'd do if I were me, Vulture continued, is stick around and see what goes down. I watched Bryn through the open bathroom door as she loaded an extra mag. Dozens of cops were en route. A demon slept nearby. I'd seen two corpses already, and the wards were down. I'd already been bitten by an undead goat, crowbarred by a fanatic, and shot at by an asshole. Fuck it, I said. I'll go down fighting. Vulture put his fingers to his lips and hopped with joy. Then he took out his phone and took a photo of my wound. I've always wanted to stitch someone up, he said. I'll do a before and after for Instagram. It turned out he'd done it plenty of times on dogs as part of an animal rescue operation in New Orleans. I was long past the point of nervousness, regardless, but he did a fine job. You all right about Kestrel, I asked, as he was fussing with the last stitch. Well, I thought I loved him, but I don't anymore. As easy as that? As simple as that. Not easy. He didn't want to talk about it, and I realized I shouldn't risk upsetting a man who was in the process of reassembling my body with needle and thread. When he was done with my shoulder, he unwrapped the bandana around my bitten hand. I don't know what I'd expected, maybe blood, maybe open wounds or teeth marks. Instead, my skin was whole, already healed. But my hand was mottled with the pale gray of overcooked steak, not the white of scar or the pink of new skin. It hurt like it was still healing, though, and I had the sudden fear that the pain would never stop. Then I remembered the rest of my situation, and honestly, my hand didn't seem like the worst of my problems. Vulture tied a spare t-shirt around my arm as a sling and chastised me not to move my arm, and I stood up. As a group, we made our way out to the front door, heading for the bridge and the relative safety of the crowd. The moon hung heavy and low on the horizon, and I focused on my breathing, reminded myself just how tough I was, how not close to panic I was. We hadn't made it halfway down the block when the cop cars poured out of the woods in a cacophony of red and blue light. The crowd on the bridge overturned a school bus, and it began. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from the Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla 
with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Police raids are always at like 4 a.m. or some shit. Always after the witching hour, when they think everyone's not only asleep, but going to be groggy as hell when they wake up. It's honestly pretty smart. That's actually why Robert Evans stays up very late. Just <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I want to go to bed after I know we're safe from a raid. Yeah. yeah. There were a couple hours of night left, but only a couple of hours. None of us were sleeping. We'd had enough warning that most of the town had cleared out. The 15 or so who remained were there for the same purpose we were, to keep Doomsday safe long enough for her ritual, whatever it was going to be. Safe from the police, safe from Eric. Most of us were veterans of riots and demonstrations across the country. It wasn't going to be a morning of civil disobedience, however. The police were there in force to arrest a cop killer, and we had no way of knowing if they'd come in with less lethal weapons like pepper spray or just come in guns drawn. The police were masked up on the far side of the bridge. Dozens of cruisers, four vans, two SWAT Humvees, and a prison bus. It wouldn't have been enough to handcuff and drag off everyone in town, but it was more than enough to mass arrest those of us who remained. Their preparedness to arrest us was bizarrely comforting. They were stopped in their tracks, though, by an overturned school bus. You can block a hell of a lot of road with 15 tons of yellow steel, And there was something beautiful about watching the military-style police vehicles emasculated by something designed to get kids to school. Bryn helped me get a black t-shirt tied over my face as a mask, then donned her own. The police had cameras, and it wouldn't do much good to escape now, only to be arrested later. Still, with everything that had happened, I couldn't bring myself to believe it mattered. I had no real expectation of surviving the coming day. We made it to the bridge just as the police rammed the bus, The steel of the Humvee struck the steel of the bus, struck the steel of the guardrail, and the whole bridge shook from the impact. Townspeople lined up to push broken-down vehicles up against the back of the bus. A band's touring van, replete with black metal stickers, joined a DIY ice cream truck and a box truck as reinforcements. We set the brakes and slashed the tires. The police backed up to ram again. Again. With each impact, I prayed our side had been smart enough to drain the bus's fuel tank. They gave up ramming, leaving us with a moment's calm, presumably while they awaited further orders. We crowded around Doomsday, 
I never realized she was so short, not until she was masked and hiding. Most people had their attention on the bus and on the bridge, and the police gathered on the far bank. But my friends looked elsewhere. They looked at the woods, at the street, at the masked figures gathered around. They watched for hands that might reach for waistbands. As unpleasant as it was to have the masked power of the state waiting to take us into custody, waiting for comrades to betray us was worse. The woods were inviting. I could make my way over the hill, and by daylight I might be out of range of police blockades and Ulysses' wrath alike. Travelers, they say, watch out for themselves. The situation was hopeless. No reason for us to all go down. Rin found my hand with hers, and her strength made its way into me. Collective safety sometimes trumps personal safety. Friends who aren't willing to fight alongside one another aren't friends. Ten long minutes later, a helmeted cop stuck his head over the top of the bus. Then another. Things were about to get worse. A masked figure threw the first stone. Her aim was true, and the cop dropped down from the edge of the bus. More rocks followed, a hailstorm to keep them at bay. They were too armored for us to hurt, but hurting them wasn't the point. The point was to drive them back. Tear gas canisters arced through the sky, and people with work gloves threw them back or tossed them down to the river. Then flashbangs. You never get used to flashbangs. It could have been one, or it could have been several. A blinding flash of light that stops your vision like a stuttering film that holds too long on a single frame. By the time I regained my senses, several cops had made it to the roof of the bus. Two had riot guns aimed at us. One had his pistol drawn. More tear gas rained down, and the poisonous smoke was soon indistinguishable from the morning fog. Visibility dropped to only a dozen yards. Only enough to see the bridge and the bus. The forest behind us was scarcely a silhouette. The cars on the far bank were invisible, but for the red and blue light that lit up the air. It wouldn't be long before dawn. If I were Eric, I told Doomsday. I'd come now, with the fog and the gas. I know. Five cops were atop the bus, and enough guns were drawn that some of the fight went out of us. Next to me, Thursday was sweating with fear. Both his hands were in the kangaroo pocket of his hoodie, holding the gun. He wanted to use it. He knew he shouldn't. I was living a nightmare. When Ulixie comes, Doomsday said, I need three of you. I'm standing guard, Thursday said, which left Vulture, Bryn, and me. A public address system on the Humvee began an announcement. I scarcely registered it. Something about being under arrest. Something about her hands in the air. Eric says he doesn't want to hurt you. I whirled at the voice. A masked figure stood a few feet from us. He must have come from the woods. Kestrel. Vulture put his body between Doomsday and his so recently ex-lover. What the fuck do you want? Look, just drop this. Drop all of this. Let you Lixie be. I heard Bryn's baton flick open, saw it flash through the air. She put all of her nod in considerable weight into the blow. I saw Kestrel's face twist to the side, his body soon to follow. He didn't fall, so she shoved him. He dropped. You told the cops about Doomsday. You beat Danielle with a crowbar. You think we'll listen to you? Do you know who the fuck we are? Do you? Drop it. A policeman atop the bus aimed his handgun directly toward us. 20 yards through the fog. If he fired, there was no telling whom he'd hit. Bryn dropped her baton. It clattered to the pavement, not six inches from Kestrel's face, and the shiny black steel glittered in the morning light. The morning light? 
The small crew of us met each other's eyes, and we waited, breathless. Doomsday put her cold hand in mine. I took Brin's, and she took Vulture's, and we were a circle. Ulixie crawled out of the river to the bank, then leapt thirty feet to the bridge. A policeman atop the bus dropped his riot gun, and it clattered. No one spoke a word. Only the sound of idling police vehicles fought against the subtle roar of the river. Ulixie bounded atop the bus, began weaving his way through the five cops, eyeing them. Stop, an officer commanded, as though he were speaking to a person. Ulixie lowered his head, three horns facing the man. He edged forward. The cop planted his feet, but the antlers pushed him back, back towards the edge of the bus. Stop, the officer shouted, fired. Time froze. We froze with it, but Ulixie kept moving. The officer tipped over, collapsing atop the bus, and the demon punctured the man's chest with his antlers. Time returned just as his death cries shattered the air. Another officer opened fire. His gun exploded in his hand, and his face went up in a flash of fire, searing his flesh to the bone. He collapsed, never to rise. I threw up. Fear? Revulsion? I don't know. But the contents of my stomach were out on the ground. I wasn't the only one. Ulixie turned toward the police, raised his front hooves, and slammed them down onto the steel of the bus. Like startled birds, the police scattered to the woods, away from the river, and away from our town, leaving their cruisers and compatriots behind. More of Ulixie's magic. The wounded officer on the bus continued to cry out, sobbing. He kept crying until Ulixie pried open his ribs and masticated his organs. I couldn't wish that on a soul no matter how much I despised them. Doomsday started chanting, too low under her breath for me to follow. Doomsday. The voice came from town, and it was angry. Eric approached, unmasked and seemingly unarmed. He strode up like he owned the place, like everything was going according to plan, never mind the corpses. Thursday turned, and his hands started out of his pocket. Don't, Doomsday said, dropping the ritual. He's goading you. Ulixie's watching. Doomsday, you pretentious fuck, you don't have an ounce of magical power in your body. Thursday was twitching. I looked over my shoulder. Ulixie was staring intently. Whatever we were going to do, we had to do it soon. We had to do it now. As soon as Eric was done trying to wield Ulixie like a weapon, the demon was going to turn on Doomsday. Who knew what would happen from there? Eric was trying to wield Ulixie like a weapon. It came over me in a flash. Oh, fuck this, I said. I dropped out of the circle and went to Thursday. I reached into his pocket, took out the gun, and pointed it at Eric. Ulixie bounded down from the bus and was halfway between us. Eric, a grin across his face, raised his hands in surrender. Ulixie looked at me, looked at Eric. Don't hurt me, Danny, Eric said in a mocking tone. Ulixie charged Eric. The beast took the young man by the throat and dragged him, thrashing, down to the river. He didn't scream. As soon as his face touched the water, he stopped struggling. As soon as he shot Rebecca, he must have known how he would meet his end. He tried to meet it with dignity. We watched from the bridge, all of us strangely calm, as Ulixie drowned him in the waters. After Eric was dead, Ulixie let go of his throat, and the body lay half in the river and half on the rocks. The water's slow current tugged at him, gave him a strange semblance of life and motion. 
Ulixie stepped gingerly over the corpse to stand knee-deep in the water. He cast a long look back at us. I can't pretend to read a deer's expressions, and even less so a demon's, but for once the beast's eyes seemed passive. They didn't pry into my soul anymore. They didn't read my thoughts and desires. He stepped deeper into the river until the water was at his neck. He ducked his head under, and he was gone. Thursday took the gun out of my shaking hand and everyone turned their gaze from the river to me. We thought he was hunting his summoners to save his own skin, I said. He wasn't. He was hunting his summoners because his summoners were predators. Hands that dared seize the fire. He attacked Eric, not me, because Eric was goading us to attack. Eric was trying to use him as a weapon. Ulixie knew that Anchor, Rebecca, and Clay used it as a weapon. Clay ran when he figured that out. Then he killed himself because he knew Ulixie was right to be after him. I don't know how many times he and I talked about it. The revolution is about taking power away from the oppressors, not becoming them ourselves. Or in this case, not crowning an endless spirit as king. I thought Clay had killed himself because he couldn't come back to freedom. That wasn't it at all. Clay killed himself because he recognized the full weight of what he'd done to the world. I was the innocent summoner, Doomsday said. Ulixie didn't kill me because I was the innocent summoner. And you don't need to go out like Clay either, Thursday said. Is Ulixie gone then? Vulture asked. On the twelfth page, what hand dare seize the fire, Doomsday said. On Solstice, today, Eric tried to use him today. Solstice thins the veil between worlds, being used like a weapon today. It was enough to convince Ulixie to depart, since departure was an option. I nodded. That's what Clay was trying to tell us. The world was quiet there in the morning as people limped to their feet. The sirens still flashed, though no cops remained to drive the cars. Birdsong came, though, after some time, and the sun began to burn off the fog. What will you do now? I asked Doomsday. Five of us were crowded into a booth at a diner in the middle of nowhere, Minnesota. Next to me, Bryn was cleaning her nails with a folding knife. Across from us, Doomsday and Thursday sipped black tea, their faces deadpan. Vulture sat with his legs astride a backward chair, and he was grinning like the sun had never been brighter. I don't know, Doomsday said. Find somewhere else, I suppose. You guys, you guys! Vulture tilted his chair dangerously forward and to lean toward us conspiratorially. I was thinking, Clay and Rebecca can't be the only ones who knew magic like that, right? Elixir can't be the only endless spirit out there. So I was checking my phone in the car, right? Because Doomsday told me I wasn't allowed to post any more pictures that were going to incriminate us to Instagram, so I had to waste my time some other way. And there's this forum I found where people track things like Ulixi and most of his bullshit, but like, I don't know, some of it's probably not. Like, there's this private club in Oregon and every couple of years, local kids try to sneak in, but most of them go missing and some of them just go crazy telling everyone about a bear without any skin. And there's a coal mine in West Virginia where translucent dogs have been attacking activists. And there's this bank in Canada that's being guarded by a headless man. And, and, and he was actually hyperventilating. He waved his hands up and down, unable to control his joy. And we could be demon hunters, I asked. Coordinated, the days reached down and sipped their tea. Bryn folded shut her knife and put it on the table. Yeah, Bryn said. All right. Of course, Doomsday said. Thursday nodded. I put my hand, still mottled with a lifeless gray, though no longer painful, in the center of the table. 
The rest put theirs on mine. Vulture took a picture with his phone. You can't be serious, Doomsday said to him. We're wanted. We shouldn't even be talking about this here, let alone taking pictures. It's for Instagram, though. She glared. Fine, I'll delete it. Jesus fucking Christ. He was still grinning. The server brought her hash browns and refilled my coffee, and I swirled the thick black stuff of life around the mug as I sorted out my thoughts. Looks like we're all outlaws now, I said. The police will be back, and they'll be investigating the hell out of Freedom, Iowa. It's not so bad as you'd think, Doomsday said. She pulled her hand off the stack, and the rest of us followed suit. Oh? No matter who you are, you go through your life, every day of your life, sure that one day you'll die. One day, the light will be gone from your world and the grave awaits, right? Well, I don't think about it as often as that, I lied. I looked at each of my new friends in turn. The days, stern and serious. Bryn, as walled off as me, a slight smile on her lips. Vulture, who clearly wasn't happy about being awake while the sun was up and was just as clearly had as much energy as the rest of us combined. It felt good to cast my lot with them. It felt good even to have friends to cast my lot in with. One day you'll die. One day you'll be in prison. Doomsday face was impassive as always, but I was learning to read its warmth. Today, though, you're alive. Today, you're free. Oh, I am excited for the second one, which I've read, and I'm excited to uh, force you to write a third one. Uh, oh, I started when, when drafting you... it. Oh, excellent, excellent. So I, I may not need to actually invite you back here and and trap you, uh, <laughs> and 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 some sort of yeah. <laughs> the book is just about escaping Robert Evans's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Basement. It's like a reverse whatever that Stephen King novel is. Yeah. Um, it's very, you know, I, I, I thought a lot about that line that you had in there about how you never get used to flashbangs because <laughs> I had a slightly, I have, a, I have a slightly different relationship with flashbangs okay. where maybe it'll be different now, but I got extremely used to flashbangs, but as a consequence, got less used to everything else. Like <laughs> the, uh, the thing that would particularly fuck me up was the, the sound of the sound of a flashbang grenade landing next to you is almost the same as the sound of a glass bottle hitting the ground without shattering. And anytime that would happen, I would just like clinch up and immediately be like in in hell. And it was the same with like little fireworks or poppers or anything like yeah. that. Like it was it was uh, everything uh, everything that was vaguely similar to a flashbang fucked me up. But the flashbangs themselves, <laughs> I, I was used to. Honestly, <laughs> that makes sense to me. Like mm -hmm. I've only had my like vision stuttered by a flashbang once, and actually, it was in Portland also. And, <laughs> yeah, we're a real flashbang town. Yeah, 2003, <laughs> March 20th, 2003, somewhere in southwest Portland, maybe northwest Portland, uh, before they charged us, they flashbanged us. And um, yeah, that like that freeze frame. I'm never mm -hmm. forgetting that freeze frame. Like I've forgotten most things that happened 20 years ago. Yeah. But no, that makes sense. The fireworks have never have not been my friend since then. Although I slowly, yeah, have pulled out of it a little bit. Yeah, I go back and forth on them. But yeah, Margaret, wonderful. Uh, very excited to continue this. But next, we will have a different set of stories yeah. for you all. So every Sunday will be that. either a different story or a new start for a story that'll continue for a different length of time, or possibly sometimes Robert and I will jabber about books or maybe yeah. other people will jabber about books yeah exactly it's a mystery so 
look forward to that, everybody. And until next time, stay spooky. Yeah. Bye. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Thank you.